Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we're going to read verses 8 through 11. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. In our Sunday school, we've been talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ and when, when is the Lord going to come back. In my sermon series, this is sermon number four on the promises of God, and I thought, let's try to put those together this Sunday as we talk about the second coming of Jesus and the promise of God. The very promise of God to you and me is the, one of the best promises we live by, and that when we are saved, we are saved forever. You believe that? Say amen. If you don't understand that, hang on. I pray the Holy Spirit will teach you that uh, it, you didn't save yourself. God saved you, and you can't keep yourself saved. Only God can keep you saved. And I praise God today that I'm going to live forever because when I was nine years old, I asked Jesus to save me, and he did. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul is talking about the return of Jesus Christ. But in the midst of it, he talks about eternal security. That believers are secure till Christ returns. And so verse 8 says, But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse. Who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another, build up one another, just as you also are doing. Paul was complimentary to the church at Thessalonica. And the professor I had at Southern Seminary told me this is one of the first letters sent by the Apostle Paul to the churches. And they were wondering, too, because Jesus told the apostles, I'm coming back. Don't know when, and only the Father knows. And they were confused about that. And even today we're kind of confused about when the Father is going to send the Son, Jesus, and He will return to us. And I'm going to tell you, I know the answer. I know when Jesus is coming back, when the Father says so. That's what the Bible says. So let's take rest in believing that the Father is going to take care of that. You ever wonder questions like that that uh, you, can't, you don't have an answer to? Uh, if God explained to you and to me what time he was coming and why he was coming and what he was going to do, I, I, I don't, we, we really couldn't understand it because we don't fully understand the mind of God. Uh, Adrian Rogers said one time, we don't live by the explanations that God gives, we live by the promises that God gives. And God promises to you and me that according to verse 9, for God has not destined us for wrath, those that are saved those that are living in the day. Now in this passage in chapter 5, he is talking about the difference between the saved and the lost. He said lost people live as if it were night, but saved people live as if it were day. And so he's not only speaking about the return of Jesus, but the difference between the, those that are saved and those that are lost. In verse 9, God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the great promises of God is that we can know that we have eternal life. I know so. I don't just hope so. I know so that I'm going to get to live forever because Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And the Bible says what the Father gave to the Son, He also gave everything to us. 
Everything God gave to Jesus, the resurrection, guidance, speaking, sitting now by the right hand of the Father, worshiping, uh, us worshiping Him, the saints worshiping Him now. All that God gave to Jesus, He's giving to His, his, uh, his church. That's you and that's me. So, if God has saved us and saved us forever, how do we know that? How do we know that? How can you uh, stimulate your thinking to remind yourself that, yes, I'm either saved or I'm not saved? There's two kinds of people in the world, those that are saved and those that are lost. The saved are going to heaven, the lost are not. And there's a place for the judgment and wrath of God called death and hell. And hell is hot, and, hell, and he, uh, heaven is awesome. And uh, you don't want to go there. And when I got saved at the age of nine, I was afraid to go to hell. That's a good reason to get saved. Is to avoid the wrath of God that he spoke to about here in verse 9. So let me encourage you, number one, be certain that you are saved. Be certain that you are saved. John, who wrote the Gospel of John and the books of 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the letters, he said in 1st John chapter 5, These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know, that you may know that you have eternal life. How do you know you've had eternal life? Well, you've done what Jesus said to do in order to receive that eternal life. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't inherit it. It's, it's not something that your grandpa or grandma did and so you're in a Christian family or you think you're in a Christian nation that you're a Christian. No, you must follow the steps to salvation. And that is, number one, understand that God loves you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not be ashamed. Whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Know that God loves you. He wants you to live forever with Him. That's why He made you. For an eternal, lasting relationship that lasts forever. Understand that we've sinned and we're enemies against God. For all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of our sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life, the Bible says, through Jesus Christ our Lord. If we will confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we shall be saved, the Bible says. Whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now the question today is, have you made that decision? I pause for you to reflect. You think, well, we're, we're all Christians here. We're all saved. No, we're not. There may be somebody here this morning that's not made that decision to say, Lord, I am a sinner. I confess that I'm a sinner. Please come into my life and forgive me my sin, and I give my life to you. Help me not to be ashamed of you, Lord, but to follow you in believer's baptism. At the end of the service, we're going to have an invitation, and if you're that person, two or three of you, that need to really, truly give your life to Christ, then you can know that you're saved. So be certain that you are saved. Number two, be combat ready for spiritual battles. When you are saved, that does not relieve you from something called spiritual warfare. In fact, I think the devil works on Christians harder than he works on anybody else to try to, just 
to, to destroy your joy and to take away from you the excitement of knowing Christ Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Read there in verse 8 where it says, But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. Now some of you, when you read that passage of Scripture, say, well, that almost sounds like Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 through 18, where Paul says, put on the full armor of God. And Paul goes to talk about the helmet of salvation. He talks about the sword of the Spirit. He talks about the breastplate of righteousness and shodding your, uh, uh, your feet, your shoes with the gospel. Uh, a kind of defensive posture for a warrior. Because we are always in a spiritual battle in this time of growing up as a disciple of Jesus. After you are saved, you continue to follow Jesus as a disciple. Some use the word sanctification to help us understand discipleship. And Satan wants you not to grow up, but to stay a baby Christian. To give up, to be discouraged. He wants to try to kill the church. And if Satan's not been working on you, you need to ask yourself, am I in the Word? Am I really serving the Lord? Because Satan will try to work on the very Christian people of God. And that's why he says in verse 8, let us be awake, let us be sober, having put on this defensive posture of a spiritual battle warrior. This week I listened to... um, Medal of Honor winner, who talked about his time in the Vietnam War. He was a Green Beret. Uh, Everybody hears about the SEALs, but we don't hear a lot about the Green Beret these days, but this is the Special Operations Branch of the Army. And they were flown in uh, behind enemy lines during the Vietnam War, and their mission was to gather intelligence and and collect classified intelligence. information. This sergeant who grew up in Texas with a Hispanic background, I don't know if I can even pronounce his name, Roy Benavidez is is the name. He said when he was training to become a Green Beret, he reached a time during his army training that he thought about quitting. Uh, If you didn't want to fulfill the course and complete the course, you could quit. He had a drill sergeant working on him when he was at his weakest point. And the drill sergeant said, Sergeant Benavidez, he said, there are two kinds of people in the world. He said, there's winners and there's losers. He said, winners never quit and quitters never win. Which one are you going to be? And I, I asked myself in the, in, the, in the church and serving the Lord Jesus Christ, What kind of Christian am I going to be? What kind of follower of Jesus Christ as we fight these spiritual battles? Priscilla Shira says, she wrote a book for Lifeway. She said, many Christians feel pinned down by anger, unforgiveness, pride, comparing ourselves to other people, insecurity, conflict, discord, anxiety, and fear. And we just give up serving the Lord. We divorce the church. You ever heard that phrase? I'm not going back. I'm just going to do my thing at home. I'm not going back to those people. Folks, this is the time 
in your spiritual battle that Satan is trying to take away from you the vision of eternal life in God's holy heaven. This is the time that you need to hear a challenge from God's word. Are you on the winning team or are you going to quit? And I've asked myself many times, what will it take for me to quit serving the Lord? As a pastor, as a Christian, to just turn my back on my calling and what God has asked me to do with my life. Folks, that is a spiritual, a serious casualty in spiritual warfare that's happened to over and over and over and over again to God's people. I've come to learn, I've come to learn that prayer is the key to all spiritual victories. Whatever is keeping you away from praying, whatever is getting in the way of your discipline of Bible study and prayer is costing you spiritual victory. Satan is having his upper hand on you and the people you influence in your family, at work, and at church if you neglect your spiritual life of prayer. I would ask you, did you pray this morning? Did you pray yesterday? The day before yesterday? Can you document that you studied your Bible? Can you document that you were on your knees, or as you drive down the road, struggling with God and struggling with temptation and aware of it. You know, to pray, you don't have to be secluded somewhere like a monk in a monastery. You just have to be frank with God, honest with God, sometimes even raw and real with God about your heart and about your life. And if you leave off that one Spiritual discipline of prayer in your life, you will lose in all other areas. It would reflect your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your children, your relationship with people you work with, and most of all, your relationship with yourself. Let me encourage you, renew that prayer life. Do what it takes to get on the winning team and renew your prayer life. Which leads me to the third point of our message today. Not only be certain that you're saved. Have you made that decision? Have you asked Christ in your life? Or have you not? And number two, how are you doing in spiritual warfare? And what changes do you need to make to get back in the traces and discipline of walking with the Lord Jesus Christ? The third point of my message goes like this. And it It's here in the text. Be in community with the winning team. Look at verse 11. Therefore, he said, while you're serving the Lord, encourage one another and build up one another just as you are also doing. What I really loved about the Sunday school material this morning is, the question is asked, how how can you be ready for the second coming of Jesus? The way to be ready for the second coming of Jesus is to be serving, to be actively serving. And doing what God has equipped you to do or called you to do. Did you know that encouraging your neighbor is an important part of loving them as yourself? Who have you encouraged this week? 
Well, I have a plaque on my wall. It's brand new. And a member of this church gave it to me. And it's meant so much to me that I put it up on the wall because I look at it because I get discouraged pretty quick. I mean, it doesn't take a lot of whining and moaning and groaning around here for me to go back to the house thinking, how am I ever going to leave this church? <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't take a whole lot for me. I'm the, I'm the kind of guy that hears love through words of affirmation. You know those five love languages? And my deacon chairman will call me up and he'll say, how you doing? And we'll pray together on the phone sometimes. And it means a whole lot. Who are you encouraging? Brother Bob Kahn sends out the prayer list. And he's got a whole list of people who are in nursing homes, rehab places, or at their own home. Who are you encouraging this week? All of us need encouraging. Did you know that when you encourage people, one of the, one of the I think one of the greatest reasons we need to be encouragers is everybody you encouraging is hurting in some way. Everybody is hurting in some way. So don't wait to be encouraged. Be the encourager. And you know what will happen to you when you encourage other people? You will be encouraged in response. So if you need encouragement, write a letter to somebody. Send a card. Make a phone call. Go visit someone. Make a, give a compliment to your Sunday school teacher, to the deacons in the church who lead. Uh, be an encourager and build up one another in Christ. I read this week where a minister had a friend who was a psychologist. This psychologist served at the VA treatment center for Vietnam veterans who had PD, PTSD. And uh, in the support group class where they got started with their support group sessions, the psychologist decided that he would take the group out on the grounds of the VA hospital. I've seen many VA hospitals. There are places to just walk around and mingle around. He said, let's, let's take a moment and let's take a break from these heavy discussions. He said, let's just, let's just go out on the grounds and let's just breathe air, uh, spot you know, a squirrel or something. Let's just take a break from the heaviness here. He said, even though they had never met each other, before this group time and did not know each other before this group time he said when they started walking across the grounds these Vietnam veterans spread out in a perfect jungle patrol formation in the jungle patrol formation it just happened automatically the spacing decreases the chance that an initial attack will hit everyone and enables the soldiers to cover each other as they fight to safety. You see, the training kicked in when they were out there on that field. And they were protecting each other. They didn't even have to think about it. I think that's how the Lord wants the church to be. That we take care of each other without even having to plan it that it's just the culture and the nature of our church to be encouragers. Encourage one another. That's what Paul was saying to the church at Thessalonica. Until Jesus comes, know that everybody is hurting somewhere. Let us determine to be an encourager and build up one another. Let's not bring down the church. Let's build up the church. 
Well, who are the they's in the church? They're you. They're you. And our instructions until the Lord returns is to be encouragers and build one another up in love. So yes, when you're saved, you're saved forever. You didn't save yourself. God saved you and you're in His hands. Well, you say, what about those that, that just quit and those that go back to their old way of life? Well, were they really saved? You know, a, a salvation that has a a flaw in it will never last until Jesus comes back. But if you're truly saved, you'll continue to believe that He is the Son of God until you see Him again. What decision do you need to make today? Do you need to unite with our church, my sister church? If you do, the doors of the church are open for you to come. If you need to give your life to Christ and follow through in believer's baptism, the doors of the church are open. We receive it this time. In a quiet moment, let's bow our heads together. Our Father, we thank you that our salvation is a gift from God, not of works, lest any of us should boast. I thank you, Lord, that we are saved until the Lord Jesus returns. Lord, I pray at this moment that there will be a decision or another decision that doesn't require public reflection but uh, personally we can decide to be an encourager we can get back to prayer and bible study and we can renew that relationship with you as the prodigal son came home help us father to serve you faithfully until you return we give this invitation time to you lord in jesus name we pray amen you've been listening to the sunday morning worship service of the ekron baptist church you too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.